Welcome, Bajji, and thank you very much for taking the time today and joining us and sharing Hi, your story. You. Thank you for having me, as I say. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. And why, why, don't, we, why don't we start just by kind of shortly introducing yourself, Bajji, to, to people who are watching now and people who might be watching on the VOD um, later. Okay, so, yeah, Bajji79, uh, so I've, uh, I'm sorry, I've, 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 uh, from a mental health point of view, it's been something that I've um, lived with and in points of time struggled with over the last, I would say, 10 years. But I would, I, I think it's probably gone further back than that. But obviously, diagnosis in the UK was not the greatest in certain areas. Um, but I've been streaming now, probably uh, as an independent streamer for the last two two and a half months three months maybe um previously to that at the start of lockdown I, I was involved in a football chat show which was hosted by someone else and i was sort of in, i was the co-host of that um so yeah that was march april time i started that so yeah my my, my streaming uh career is somewhat short i've come into it late in the day i would say <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a mature streamer the, 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 the silver fox of uh, of Twitch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I look at other people in uh, the uh, the people who seem to be older than me playing music, and I I can't play music, so I'm <laughs> left with the games. <laughs> Great. And um, so so we obviously met on I think it was on one of my streams. Yes. I don't know, two two three months ago. I must have been streaming Football Manager at the time, and yeah. um. We obviously started a conversation and it turns out that we're both born in the same hospital in Reading, yep. Royal Barks in the yes. UK. Yeah. And I was, I was drawn in as you were doing a save with Reading. And I was like, hello. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> it's funny because I've met a few people from Reading just by streaming that game and managing the Reading yeah. football team. So yeah, it was, it's great to meet people who are kind of come from the same same area. And yeah, the fact that you're now on the show today is is kind of a, a testament of kind of, I guess, how we've developed our relationship over the last few months. Like, I obviously hang out with you in your stream. You, you kind of hang out with me and mine. And I, I know you did not so long ago a um a charity stream 24 hours um for a mental health charity right it was indeed yeah it was uh for the charity mind so i was um i think that was when i hit the affiliate level um and i sort of made the bold shout as as we were sort of saying earlier this for me it's more of a hobby it, it is a release for me so i thought i said to someone oh, if i hit affiliate i'll do something for charity Four hour stream and at that point i think i was sat on maybe 25 followers of which i knew a big chunk of them it's not going to happen for months it's not i'll be fine i'll be fine and then all of <laughs> i a can sudden, say it and get rid of away with it yeah yeah i was like yeah no no one's going to remember that and then uh and then i got a couple of big raids a couple of times and it was like that's getting really close now i might have to plan something <laughs> yeah so that was good. So we done that for mind, and as I, I made a big thing at the time, I think as much as it's good to raise money for the charities, I think raising the awareness for other people is one of the biggest things in that. And I think we done that as uh, I, the amount of people who retweeted 
and shared shared love across various different platforms. I think we we comfortably hit a thousand fifteen hundred people through sort of the, the the contact points on Facebook, on Twitter, on so that was that was the big thing from that. Yeah, I think you're right. There's one thing raising money, and then yeah. there's there's the next like raising awareness of the topic. But what I think is great about Twitch and all these charity events that happen within twitch is that you probably reach people that might not necessarily be reached elsewhere and it's an environment that's very native to them so they spend time watching streamers watching video games and they hear these people that they spend time with within that environment talking about mental health or whatever it might be and that that maybe then strikes a chord with them yeah and i think i think a lot of stuff as well with with Twitch streamers, you see that person doing something they enjoy doing. Yeah. So you don't really know what sits behind it. So, you know, if you if you're having a bad if you're having a bad day, if you're from personal experience, if, if you're struggling at a point in time, the one thing you don't want to do is put yourself out there. So when people are watching you on on a stream, they're essentially seeing, in theory, the best of you you at your most comfortable, you doing what you enjoy doing. So the conversations will only ever come up if you offer that conversation. And I think that's a that's a really big thing. I think doing the doing that 24 hours, it meant that it gave me the opportunity to sort of talk to people as well. And there were a lot of people who came into that. Saying, Do you know what? I've lived with mental health um, concerns for X amount of years. And it's really good to see someone doing something about it and offering out the advice and offer, or not offering out the advice, but offering out the support and saying, this is what you should do. These are the people you should be speaking to. No one should be suffering in silence, I think, is the main thing that comes out of mind. No one should have to live with mental illness on their own because there are always people out there who are available to help. And I think, obviously, you've got your check the checkpoint. Or it, it's, an, it's a similar thing. Yeah. You know, you, you shouldn't have to sit in silence maybe that's a, a good opportunity kind of to kind of lead us into your own personal story then because i think you've started mm. to touch on it already but um what what has been your kind of biggest let's say let's struggle when it comes to your mental health um so i think as i said it was, it, it was a diagnosis 10 years ago but prior to that I think I'd gone through various different things where, you know, at 18, I, I was, I was never the best footballer. But I knew what I was very, I knew what I was good at at a fairly early age. And I worked on that and it got me to decent levels of football, sort of the high standard of football. And it was one of those things where I thought, well, do you know what, if I can work on my strengths, and they fit what I want, there could be some sort of progression within this. So I did. And then at 18, my knee went. And I think at 18, that it was the worst time because I, uh, I tore my medial ligament. And all of a sudden, I can't play football for a year. And I'm now legally able to go to the pubs. Right. Yeah. So there's no reason on a Saturday night for me to say, Do you know what, I'll just have a couple game tomorrow or on a on a friday night you know what i've got a big game tomorrow afternoon 
I'll only have a few and then go and celebrate after that. All of a sudden, I could be Friday night, Saturday night. I could go on a third. I could do whatever I wanted. I didn't have to worry about training or anything. And it and it it became a habit almost. And I think I, I played at a high standard a year a year after, but I think that was more down to a reputation than my level of ability. Okay. By that point in time, people knew who I was. Would pick me up and say, "Come and play for us. Come and play for us." I think that's, and I think, really thinking back, I think that was kind of the first point where it actually started to have a an effect on my own mental health because I knew I wasn't delivering, and I and I felt, even though I was performing, I felt like I was letting people down because I wasn't the person they thought I was going to be or the player they thought I was going to be. So that had that started to have an effect, and then. Um, I moved to moved to Norfolk um, from Reading uh, with my job, and I moved up here with a girlfriend at the time. And six months later, I was only on a comment. Six months later, I went back to Reading, and that relationship fell apart. And I was like, I've, I've left people I've made friends with up in Norfolk to come back to Reading and essentially be on my own now because everyone else in my family had already moved away. Right. And it just became, and it, it became a bit of a, a grind. And it, I think after about a year, I said, you know what? I think I genuinely lived, I, I preferred living in Norwich. So I moved back. I knew I still had a job up here because the company was still based here. So it was it was an easy decision to make. And I think from there, it just, it kind of, things started to progress nicely. And I was with uh, a girl for, four years we got married and we were separated within 18 months of the wedding okay wow and I, and I genuinely I think it was part of it was it was the perfect relationship for a year two years then it just became a routine that neither of us really wanted to leave and we were kind of say pushed into I mean I, I, she was 22 and I was 26 and we were kind of pushed into getting uh, getting the marriage done when it was done we wanted to hold it off for a little, a little while but there was there was various little mitigating circumstances but that that was a separation and when I left in her her, her parting words to me were in an effort to make me stay I can't understand why you're leaving you're getting fat and going great. Who else is going to want you? And I'm like, well, that's not going to make me want to stay. But then that kind of, you know, that's 14 years ago, but it's something that's then lived with me forever. It's a, it's a parting gesture that's never left. And it starts to dig, dig in that self-doubt. And then it, it just, it became a bit more of a circle. And it's, you know, whenever you look in a mirror and you're like, well, actually, she's, she's not wholly wrong. And you start to have that doubt about yourself. And I think it just, things just carried on from there. And I kind of plodded through life to an extent. You know, I picked up, I got into another relationship. I was with that person for a period of time. That then fell apart. I got the next relationship. And they were always sort of about two and a half to three years. Nearly every relationship I had after that was about two and a half to three years. And then at some point, I started to think to myself, well, hold on, actually, is it me that's the problem? Because we get to this point in time and the relationship falls apart. So maybe I am the issue. 
and you and all those self doubts start to kick in again. And it's, yeah. It, yeah. So, I mean, from a personal point of view, it just was an ongoing battle that, in the end, it all came to a head. And I, I just remember sitting in my flat one day and I, I, I waking up in the morning and I was like, I can't, I can't face going to work today. This is ridiculous. And I phoned up, phoned, phoned in sick. And then the next day, phoned in sick, phoned in sick. And then uh, three days in and I was like, well, I can't keep doing this. And luckily at the time, my manager at work was really good. And she was like, look, if you're genuinely feeling like that, speak to the doctor and I did and as I say as I sort of said at the start unfortunately Norfolk was not the most forward thinking with its support for mental health and all they did was give me a load of pills wow how long ago was that Ten. 10 years ago it was just yeah there you go take these drugs and come back and take come back and sit take two weeks off work I'll sign off work for two weeks take these drugs come back and see me and I've always been very not not critical but when I sat and thought about it and I went back to the doctor and he said so how do you feel are the drugs working I said well I don't know if the drugs are working because you've taken one of the main stresses out of my life I don't have to get up and go to work on a regular on a daily basis so yeah maybe the drugs are working but I'll be honest your sick note probably has worked more right and I think I, 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 took the, I took the medication for about three months and I genuinely started to think maybe this is just a placebo. Maybe I'm genuinely feeling better because I think I should be feeling better. And I then, I think that that was maybe in the November and by the March I'd been signed off work again for another five, six weeks. And I, I just had a full breakdown in the office where I literally I just froze in my desk and I just had to pick myself up and walk off and I remember phoning my boss from the toilet sat in a cubicle and just saying look I'm really sorry I need to go home <laughs> and and just left and yeah and then I was off again for another five or six weeks and the point where I really hit the bottom was when uh my uh, my little girl's mum and I split up and it was it wasn't the best of relationships but one day she just came back or I came back from football and she had packed up stuff and taken had taken herself and a little and, and gone and you know it was that was that was heart-wrenching because at that point in time I'd been trying to do stuff for us as a family financially and things like that to try and get us into a better position. But it didn't fit the life she wanted to live and it just became an issue. And so she, she picked up and she went and, and I was like, well, I was then just, I, I, to an extent, I, I went back to almost what I did when I was 18. And I just, well, okay, there's a pub over the road and a few friends living around the corner and I was just out on a regular drinking and and I remember her saying to me you know you're not going to see her if you're spending all your time drinking and I said but I'm not doing it when she's here I wouldn't be drinking if she was here 
I'm, you're not seeing it. And I think I went probably about two months without seeing her. And uh, and I genuinely, I at that point in time, I didn't know when I would again. And all of those doubts and everything else kicked in again. And I remember taking myself away and I just needed a break. And I needed a break away from the house and from everything else. And I remember bu booking myself into a hotel um, and near Ipswich. And I genuinely sat there and started listing out all of the reasons why I shouldn't be here. And and the only one that I ever wrote down with why I should be was was my little girl. And at that point in time, it was it was like, well, if I if I do do something, who's it going to benefit? It's not benefiting anyone. So. It's not going to benefit. It's not going to benefit me. It's not going to benefit anyone I know or I, people I know that I, that do care. And I, uh, I went to sleep. I slept at the hotel. I got up the next morning. I came back in, and I started making changes. And I, I changed my job again and went to somewhere else. Uh, I did. I, I I got a lodger into the house. So I was going to stay there on my own, but I got a lodger into the house so that actually financially. It was better and it meant that I didn't want to be going out drinking and coming home drunk all the time if there was a lodger there because I thought, well, that's going to look really bad. They're just going to think, oh, I've got issues and I've got someone here to pay for my alcohol. Um, <laughs> so I was like, well, I need, to, I need to sort some things out. And I started moving myself forward that way. And obviously, I think, you know, three weeks later, I'd had a few conversations, I think, what was happening was my ex would phone up at random points in time just to see where I was and I I wasn't in the pub I, I didn't sound slurry so she was uh, so you know a couple of weeks later I got to see little Ern, and then we set up some sort of routine for that and and everything just started to tick boxes right and you know relationships and things like that sort of came and went and they weren't they still weren't necessarily the best but you know, my general life was improving and I was looking after myself a little bit better. And when I went to the doctors and I got given, the, uh, got prescribed the medication, I took the medication for the period of time they said. I didn't I didn't question whether it's validity or anything like that. I went with it myself. Um, I'll tell you, the, the, me and my partner now, we've been together for three years and I see how much she supports me mentally. And, you know, she knows when to ask questions and, and when not to ask questions. Um, and she she supports so much with my little girl as well. And and it makes my life so much, it, 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 it makes it feel so much fuller because I don't feel, I don't feel now like I'm trying to do things on my own. And I right, won't do right. sometimes. Right. And she'll remind me that I'm not. So <laughs> you don't need to do it on your own, but yeah. That, that, that's, that's a point I wanted to touch on because it sounded like you, you, you as you as you put it yourself, you, you kind of got to a point where you're at rock bottom. And that's that's the moment in which you started to look at your life and think, okay, what, what do I need to change? But do yeah. you think there would have been, do you think you could have, done something different and not actually reached rock bottom before 
and making those changes? I think I, I genuinely I think it was timing. Uh, I think, as I say, that the there wasn't the setup for the therapies and things like that. There was no signposting from doctors. It was literally here's a medication, go and take it. There wasn't though. There wasn't that sort of thing. I mean, I, I suppose that there was still sort of nine, ten years ago. There was still quite a hefty stigma around mental health. Yeah, it was something you didn't speak about. And you went to a doctor and you were looking for maybe medication, but actually signposting someone to just say that actually these people are quite good. And that didn't come about until well, I would have been five years ago when I got referred to a thing. And that was that was kind of the last I've had a few I've had a few lapses. So my my depression is depressive episodes where i will go through stages and a lot of the time there's not a trigger it's lots of little things that just spark off so five years ago i then got referred to a well-being service in norwich and and i'll be honest i went to the first one of those and i was pretty skeptical because the reason I'd gone to the doctor was because I'd I'd had essentially a panic attack in a supermarket where I was looking at something on a packet and all of a sudden there was two or three people all stood around me and I, I, just, I just panicked and I was like, this, I'm full on anxiety attack, put the basket down and I just walked out of the store and went and sat in the car to try and calm myself down and I was like, this ain't right. And I went to the doctor again and spoke to the doctor and they referred me on to the wellbeing service who then put me into a group session for anxiety. And I was like, that's part of the issue, being with other people. Right, okay. Um, but <laughs> actually, it was it, it was a good thing. It was a good thing because I had to, at that point, I'm trying to show that actually I'm, I think had I just said, do you know what? I'm not going. I'm... I'm almost telling people, myself, everyone else that, nah, I'm fine, I don't need this. Or or even worse, do you know what? Actually, I'm happy living like this. I don't want to feel better. Yeah. So I kind of pushed myself to do it. And after a couple of sessions, it was, it, it became, it became a lot better and I was a lot more comfortable in there. It was beneficial because it was a longer period of time and it was, different coping mechanism, uh, mechanisms and, and working out when things had happened and why and, and how I could how I could change my own thinking at that point in time. And yeah. we're all great at giving advice to other people. But following it through ourselves and doing it ourselves is, is something completely different and it's trying to get that mindset of you know what what would what would I say to someone else? Let's put it into action. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you hundred percent. I think um you, you mentioned how supportive your your partner is right now. Is that something that you felt you might have lacked in your past relationships? Yeah, to an extent. I mean, I think I kind of there's been couple when when relationships have ended, there's been a couple of comments made at different points in time. There's just a lack of understanding. But then I suppose. I go back ten years. Why would my why would my partner have been? Why would she have understood when other people didn't? Well, 
what would have made her it's it's a hard one to it's a hard one to gauge because if I'm going to the doctor and all they're doing is giving me drugs and they're not saying well actually this is the situation and maybe do this this and this how how is she going to understand the concept because I've always found because of how it works for me and it has been a big event at different points in time but a lot of the time it's little things that um, just mount up. And you just deal with each little thing and you deal with and you deal and you deal and at no point. So one of the things I, I came across was um, having a bucket. Everyone has a bucket. It depends on how big your bucket is to each different person, but you've got to make sure that there's a valve because otherwise it will overflow. And if you don't have that valve as a release, you're gonna if you've only if your if your capacity to maintain is only small, you're gonna be constantly fighting. And some people have almost like a the old phrase, water off a duck's back. Ah, nothing, nothing bothers. And it just slides and they don't care. They're, they've obviously got a massive bucket and they can just, just push it in and push it back out again. They don't care. Um, and I think it's it's kind of making sure you've got that release valve so that you can you can just escape it a little bit. Okay. And you you obviously um you've mentioned that you kind of one of your perhaps release valves was was, was drinking um at certain moments. Did um I'm I'm wondering if you if you were not fully able to understand it yourself and therefore not able to articulate it to previous partners and pe- previous relationships and therefore were not able to get it out in a more um, healthy way? Maybe. I mean, my, my, my drinking was never... It was, it was never at a point where I was dependent upon it. But it was, it was a release. So it'd be a case I wasn't waking up craving a drink or anything like that. Yeah. It almost became... It almost became a habit more than anything else. I'd finish work, I'd go home, I'd get changed, I'd meet a mate at the pub. Yeah. And I'd have five, six pints. I'd go home, I'd go to bed, I'd get up the next day. And literally half of the time my lunchtime was pinging out a couple of messages to different people to see who was around that evening. Right. And I'd go with I'd go to a different bubble with different people. There was I mean, where I lived at the time, there was a lot of pubs to choose from. So I'd be like, yeah, I'll meet you there later. And I'd literally I'd go out, I'd have four, five, six pints, go home, go to bed, get up and just follow the follow the process again. And it was it was habit and routine. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of it was not wanting to be sat at home on my own. So what what do I do? Well I, I, I socialise with people. Um and they're not gonna come I'm I'm not gonna say come around here because all that happens is they'll come around here and they'll turn up with a crate of beer and we'll drink even more. So it's it was kind of being out and about and, and feeling in my head I was occupying my mind at the same time obviously I was clouding it yeah in so, the relationship I don't think I really drunk huge amounts in the relate. well I probably did but I, I don't recall it being a thing okay so you were you were trying to find things these habits that you've developed were a way of you trying to get out of your head and being alone and kind of, um, I don't know, kind of just 
going around in thoughts in your head that weren't healthy and that were creating this this self-doubt in the first place yeah definitely yeah have you have you found any any good habits um at all uh, over the over the i don't know over however many years um that help you release in a in a in a good way um so yeah i mean what does i mean obviously i can't i can't pay as much as i used to but obviously i I'm, I'm manage a football team so that gives me that release it means i've got i know at a weekend i'm going to be out and i will either be celebrating or venting or doing something but my mind is occupied with that football and it's normally occupied with it from for a period of time on a saturday night while i'm sorting it out and then pretty much from the moment i wake up on the sunday until i until i finish and get home and so that that's a big thing um and i think actually you know the, the streaming has been a massive thing yeah because at lunch times i'm sat at home on my own if i didn't do the streaming i'd work through and i need to have that separation i need to admittedly all i'm doing is uh i'm turning one laptop off which is all stats and figures and turning on another one which is all stats and figures but there's stats and figures i want to look at <laughs> so it makes things a little bit better um but yeah so the streaming is because it's a, it's a different community and it's with people that there are a few people on there i know personally but a lot of people are people i would never come across in normal walks of life people from all over the world and they're there and they're chatting and there's a genuine interest and and it kind of gives you it gives you faith in humanity when you see all of the rubbish that's going on in the world and then you've got all the, the community that's building on various different channels on twitch it's it's a massive thing and i think that's what just keeps me coming back and i, I always last week was an absolute nightmare i barely got to stream at all because of workloads but I will always try and make an effort to get at least a couple of streams in a week, if not every day, because I can see the benefit it has for me. And my other half can as well. She'll come home and she was like, oh, I saw you were streaming again at lunchtime. Was it a good one? Was it a good one? And, you know, she's got no interest in Football Manager, <laughs> but she'll log in and she'll get involved in a couple of bits and pieces. And But... But that's fine. From that point of view, I don't need her on the channel watching me. I need her. I, I, what I want is her support away from it, saying, "Go for it." I know it helps you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's great. You've got this passion for football, which you dedicate your your, your time to outside of work, which gives you that release. Um, whether it's managing a football team in real life or um, in game. Um, and yeah. then uh, it gives you again in in different ways an opportunity to um, engage with a community and um, really focus your your time and energy in in a in a more meaningful way. Let's say so you're yeah. you're not so it's... much in your head um, as no. you might have been otherwise. No, and it's it's definitely it's uh, I mean physical exercise is is good for your mental health. I, I know that. Yeah. From my point of view, I do physical exercise and I'm limited on what I can do because my knee will give way. And I'm very much, a, I'm, ve I'm so very aware of that that I don't push myself because I think 
if my knee gives away, I'll be more frustrated and it'll have an adverse effect. So I kind of do the bits and pieces I can and I get involved and, you know, and so managing the team is, it's essentially, is, it, as I say, it gives me that opportunity to sort of give something back. And if I didn't do it, there wouldn't be anyone and these guys would all be looking for somewhere to play or, or just not playing. So I know that my commitment to it gives them that opportunity to go and get the exercise. So it, it kind of, in a roundabout way, it, it still helps me. Yeah. And if it makes you, again, it makes you feel like you're fulfilling a purpose, right? Yeah, definitely. Oh, God, yeah. Great. And I know I know we've talked uh, a couple of times on stream about meditation. Is that something that you do um, often and, and do, you, do you find that helps? I, every morning, I try. So I've got one short uh, thing on YouTube which is a relaxation uh, audio uh, from a, a guy called Andrew Johnson. It's 13 minutes long. Not the footballer. Not the footballer. No, 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 no. Yes, well, it might be. He's not on the camera. I don't <laughs> think it is. I've had Andrew Johnson talk. <laughs> it's not him. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, it's it's something that in the morning I'll wake up and it's about, 30, as I say, it's about 13 minutes long. I um, I'll put that on. I'll set my alarm on my phone to go off 20 minutes later because do, I, I do sometimes get caught in it and I'm listening to it and I, I do nod off again. But that's part of the idea it is to help you relax. And if I'm relaxing, well, if I'm relaxing, there's no more, more relaxed state than sleep. <laughs> so I will, um, sometimes I nod off on my phone and then my alarm will go off again 20 minutes later. But sometimes it's very much a case of the 13 minutes I listen to it, I do it. And it helps me just... I'll wake up and my brain will be pumping through various different things about uh, what's going on and how I'm gonna, um, what I'm gonna do that day. And I'm thinking, well, you know what? The day hasn't started yet. I don't wanna be waking up and having all of those things work related going through my head at seven in the morning. So I do the relaxation just to sort of clear my head a little bit. And and it works and it is really good. And it's it's one of the primary ones I use. I used to use a, a, a a lot of stuff from a guy called um, Joseph Clough, or Joseph Clough, I think he calls himself. Um, but yeah, he's uh, but his stuff was a lot longer. There was sort of 30 minutes, 35 minutes and things like that. So it, it's 15 minute one is, is perfect to just fit it in. Early doors in the day, do clear the head, start fresh. Yeah, it's one of the things I do to help try and clear my mind. I mean, I'm definitely not an expert. I still find myself sitting there meditating and things do pop up. It's just yep. try and get them out of your head as quickly as possible again. And it, yeah, it, it, it gives you, it gives you a moment to just like be in that moment and, and do nothing, think about nothing. Um, I find it super helpful and it's stuff I share in the discord quite a lot actually. So yeah. I've even got channel points, which allow people to cash in on on channel points, and we do uh, uh, some some guided meditation for ten minutes. So um, yeah, I, I completely buy into that. I, th I think there's um, there's yeah there's a good there's some good learnings there. Like um, spend time within a passion of yours, whether it's football, whether it's streaming, whatever it might be. There's physical exercise, yeah. which is always great. There's meditation, which is another way of kind of, as we talked about, getting you 
into the moment and perhaps out of your um, thoughts. So some really good good learnings there. Anything else that you wanted to sh to share? Um, no, I think you know I've 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 I feel I've opened and. Uh, and it is it's a, it's a good one of the best therapies is to talk to people yeah find some find someone who you know will be non-judgmental before you start talking to them tell them that you're talking to them you don't want them to fix things because so many people automatically go into fix mode as soon as you tell them you know i'm really struggling at the moment they'll try and fix the problem and and you don't want people to fix the problem for you you just sometimes you just need to get it off your chest and having someone who will listen to you it is a massive thing i always used to find one of the worst questions because it was always little things that used to build up and up and up as i said one of the worst questions i used to get asked is why do you feel like that and actually all you can pinpoint is the last thing that happened right and it seems so menial and then you think well actually yeah oh god why am i feeling like this this shouldn't be the case it's only something small but actually it's not it's just the final thing so finding people who don't ask questions or judge you and actually just being able to open up to them is a, is a massive help and support and it is and that is that valve on the bucket yeah the talking but yeah i think i think as you said, it took you a long time to get to that point where you realized that's what you needed from someone who you were speaking to. And I think a lot of people might be listening to this or might 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 listen to this and think, oh, wow, okay, I'm not at that point yet, but maybe that's something I need to start to understand about myself. What is it I need to get from someone that I'm speaking to? So I think that will be a really important take away from this this conversation so badger how, how are you how are you how are you feeling now obviously you've had kind of a lot of it's been a bit of a roller coaster in terms of these uh since you had your football injury um all those yep. years ago how would how are you doing now yeah yeah i mean I'm, I'm in a significantly better place than i have been for a long time i would say the last the last two years have been really really good um i genuinely when when we hit lockdown and we weren't allowed to leave the house and we weren't allowed to do anything or see people or anything like that i genuinely was concerned that i was going to slip and there was a point in time where i could feel myself slipping because I'm a sociable person i like to be out and about doing stuff and actually all of that was suddenly taken away from me and and i was stuck in looking at the same four walls all day and there was that moment where I was thinking, oh no, this is this is gonna cause a lot of problems. But then all of a sudden we had those minor lifts and we we made the most of it. We didn't we obviously we didn't go and break restrictions and things like that. My my other half is far too far too goody two shoes to be breaking <laughs> any restrictions and the rules. Um but we we made sure we went out and we saw people when we done different things. So that um that actually we were breaking the monotony that we we kind of got into and and i think it also helped when she went back to work in our office because then when she came home we had our time again 
as opposed to both being cramped up in the house all the time, trying to work from home because she gets on the phone and I get on the phone and we're both loud and you can both hear each other's conversations. And some of the work conversations are both fairly, um, both fairly confidential. Uh, and you're very conscious if I can hear her, can the people I'm talking to hear her as well? Yeah. And it, yeah, so the, you had all these different things running through, but yeah, so now she's back in the office. She likes the home work-life separation. I don't need to be somewhere different. I just need to enforce that I have that, that difference, that separation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, again, a lot of people can relate to that, being stuck in the house with their other half or with their family or with yeah. flatmates, whoever it might be, and kind of... And obviously some countries are in dealing with this whole crisis in different ways, so some people are more in lockdown than others, and so I think there's... Um, there's 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 a lot to be said for that and a lot lot of people can relate to that situation i know i know i personally can so i think yeah trying to find ways to break the monotony is um is also very important and a good good shout out yeah so yeah thanks very much for sharing everything there is one question i'd like to end the uh the podcast on Vaggie, and I know you, you're aware of it. Yes. I preempted you. Um, it is. So, um, if you were a character from a video game, who would you be, and why? Right. So, as I already said to you, I I genuinely could not think of anyone um, apart from maybe being the guy who's the football manager <laughs> on the front of football manager boxes. Um, and as you don't get the boxes anymore, it's all <laughs> so. There's not even anyone tangible to look at. Um, so I went online and I've done a little, I found a quiz of which computer games character would you be? And it was about 30 questions and I genuinely started thinking it was just going to be clickbait because the questions were, were endless. And I, I <laughs> some of them I didn't even know where they were talking about. One of them was like, if you were going to be a mythical, uh, or if you were going to live in a land of computer games, which one would it be? And they had four places I'd never heard of. So, <laughs> so, so I just picked the one that I thought was most entertaining. Um, but I got through it and it came up with it came up with when I find it again uh, Ryu from Street Fighter <laughs> okay cool right? Did it give you a reason um, it does yes it says you're fearless determined and honourable like Ryu from Street Fighter you never back down from a challenge and you're always quick to defend your loved ones you're not really the type of person who talks a lot um, either since you have a hard time trusting other people hmm. but deep down you have fiery and fun you have a fiery and fun spirit and do you know what when I was reading through that I was thinking you know that's not bad you, you don't talk a lot you have a hard time trusting other people I talk a lot I do still sometimes have trouble trusting other people especially when I'm when I'm sharing information so it, yeah so there were certain bits in there the honourable one. I mean, I'm, I'm not too sure about that. <laughs> I'll do my best. Sounds like a good quiz, and it's a great answer. So, um, as you say, there yeah. are definitely bits in there. So, definitely share share the quiz in the Discord so everyone can uh, have a go at that. Yeah, we'll do. That'll be awesome. Yeah, we'll do. But um, amazing, Badgie. Thank you so much for partaking 
being very open and very honest it's, it's very much appreciated i am very grateful for having you on the podcast today so thank you thank you very much and thank you for having me on